Episode 7, Khoisar Us Podcast. We were ready in January. They didn't want to play. We waited. We waited three months, four months. They still weren't ready. They still didn't want to play. And then on Thursday, we finally got what we were waiting for. Tottenham three, Arsenal nil. We bashed them. We we absolutely bashed them. And here's the thing. We came on here for episode six. We made our predictions. We all kind of had a feeling we would win, but it was a little, it's a little nervy. Maybe, maybe something weird is going to happen. But we're just, I think we're just a better team than Arsenal. And, you know, the funny thing about it is we've been better than them for about five years now. Like we're no longer the little brother. Ben, you've been watching this team for a long time. How this is a long time coming. Yeah, that was uh, quite the soliloquy there, Joel. Liked it. Um, yeah, no, this it's been weird because obviously the first several years, five, six years that I followed Spurs, uh, that was Arsenal still under the banger years earlier on, um, and they were still better than us pretty much every season. Like we were getting closer and closer to them. Um, I'm trying to remember actually what the first season that I was following because I'm trying, I think when we made the Champions League under Redknapp that they did not, but I'd have to go back and look because I remember City made it anyway. I won't, I won't digress to that, but um, what really struck me with this one is this is the most dominant I can remember us looking in dominant. A London. Yeah. They didn't, and, 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 they didn't test us. Yeah. And I know that we, that we were aided by a red card, you know, assisted by the, the, the penalty, which we sure, can get into course. both those things further. But even before that, I was just surprised. I, you know, usually they had the first, what, five minutes or so, they looked a little bit better. And then after that, it was, I mean, it was one-way traffic for the most part. I just haven't seen us look that much sharper than them. I don't think in any North London Derby. That was just the, uh, like I said, the, the golf in uh, quality was, at, at its most glaring in that match that I can remember of, of any uh, North London Derby. So, yeah, I was, uh, as you know, as everybody I'm sure was, overjoyed with it. It was great. It was so much fun to watch. Um, that was such a party. Yeah, um, I mean, when, when I, you get calls that go in your favor, too, I, I, obviously you hate it so much when it's against you, and when you're a neutral, you can kind of shrug it off. When, it, when calls go for you and you know that you're getting a maybe, you know, neither of those calls were bad calls but both of them were a little surprising the uh the penalty you could say it was soft i don't know if soft is the right word but it's a 50 50 you know it's like yeah. i've seen them giving them seen them not given same with that just because they're so reluctant to show second yellows but that that could have been a straight red even really uh, but they're so reluctant to show second yellows and in, uh, in the premier league they seem to do it more in europe and international play but you, you literally see refs in the premier league start to begin the process of booking a player and then realize mentally, Oh, he's on a yellow and then just stop and give him a little scolding and then go on. You just, yeah. Well, we'll, so, we'll, we'll get to the calls in a second, but before we do that, Kim, I want to ask, is it Conte or something else? Like what is it that, cause obviously when we were under Nuno, they played us off the pitch. We were significantly I mean, worse than them at that time. Yeah, so when I look at the two games, um, you can say that, you know, they're playing a bit of a different team. Um, defensively, they're they're playing they were playing two terrible defenders, and everything that happened happened on that side. When you look at what went wrong, it was Cedric and Holding. They don't want to play Cedric and Holding. They'd rather play Kieran Tierney on the left, uh Tommy Asso on the right, and Ben White in the place of Holding. Um us, we were also not playing our best team, the team that we've been that we've had for the last since January. Bentecourt didn't play in that previous game. Kulisevsky didn't play in that previous game. And Romero didn't play in this one, but he didn't play in that one either. So it's the way I look at it is we're just a much better team than we were the last time we played them. They're missing folks. And so I think that's what created the big golf. But I just think we're as a team, we just have we're just 
like you said, we're just better. <laughs> we just have more quality. We're just better. Um, art. And the thing about it is defensively, we're good. So like what Arsenal doesn't have, they they have the ability to attack here or there. Um, and yeah, they, they might have won a few games, 2-0, 1-0, uh, 2-1. But when you look at how they actually defend, it hasn't been that great. Um, you can say folks miss chances. And in this game, we miss chances. Um, Sonny had one that he should have buried. Um, there were also a few that Emerson Royale kind of botched because that's not his strong suit. But you think if you have a proper winger in there, the there's probably going to be a shot on goal. Yeah, so I, I, I think, like you said, we're just a better team than we were. Um, and even when someone like Davison Sanchez comes in for Romero, he started off a little shaky, but I felt like the crowd getting on him settled him down, which is like, that's not something. And that also goes to a mentality thing. Um, I just think our mentality now is strong. And we know if we do the right things, good results will probably happen. Arsenal's mentality is shaky as hell. Um <laughs> They they can't stand up to the pressure. And I think our crowd, for one, was a was a big thing. Um, and I also think they try to to go with these dark arts. They're not good at that kind of stuff. They're not Liverpool. They are not good with the tactical fouls. And that's what they tried to do. That's what Holding was trying to do, was trying to put Sun off his game. They were trying, they were trying to do what Villa did to us unsuccessfully then, unsuccessfully here, but they were just trying to play a game. And I, I think Arteta went wrong with the way he went about setting up that team. Um, he had to do what he had to do with regards to players. But I think the way he told them to play was probably try to get under the Tottenham skin, like be physical with them. And you saw them trying to be physical just didn't work. Yeah, it felt like they were trying to get us to play emotionally. And when it didn't work, it made them more emotional. Like it was yeah, like I think the, I agree with that. the exact plan like. that they had backfired against them. And it's like, bro, you don't have the players with not only do they not have the medal, but they also are just young. Like they're a young team. So it's not like you have a ton of wily veterans that are going to be able to like play that game. It's not like Chelsea who can throw out the Aspiliquetas and the Tiagos and the Rudigers like, you don't have those players at Arsenal. Um, yeah, they're actually the like the youngest team. In, like overall, they have the youngest team. And when you think about the person who's older on that team that plays, it's Jaka. And I thought he might have been the one that got it. And he, he's a red card threat every time he steps <laughs> on the pitch. Jesse, how much fun was that game, though? Yeah, it was great. The first 15 to 30 was less fun because I was in a meeting trying to withhold my emotions while watching it. I had no idea what was going on with the penalty because I had looked away for a minute. As has been discussed here and elsewhere, it was not a, a bang on absolute penalty. You see those get called sometimes. You see them not get called sometimes. So I do understand the neutral and, our, and or Arsenal's um, uh, frustration with that because it was a 50-50. I mean, I'm not going to complain about it at all. And there have been times where I felt like, you know, um, Spurs should have been the beneficiary of, of those kinds of calls and words. So, um, yeah, once the, this meeting was over, it was just all fun for me because I, I think my, my meeting ended and then um, uh, and then the uh, the holding um, uh, foul came on. And I think I yelled in my office, that's a red and, and didn't realize he already had a yellow because I missed that as well. But that's a straight red. I mean, that was a malicious. Um, this guy's making a run. Clearly, he was instructed Hey, get into Sonny's head. I think the, the 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 talks about trying to get us to emotionally react was um, was the plan, um, you know, but uh, but not not obviously well executed. But this is as as I said, this is a very very young team, as Kimmy pointed out, um, and, and Arsenal, and um, not that Spurs are an old team, but they've got more veterans on the team, and and I think it was a, a good idea to try and get in Sonny's head. He's the most emotional player. Um, you see how happy and sad he gets. He's definitely probably not a sports psychologist's dream because of how high and low he gets throughout uh, throughout a game. But I mean, like, yeah, I mean, holding was uh, was awful. Like, you know, uh, hold hold the cell, hold my dick, Arsenal. I mean, you're you're getting uh, you got a you got a pair of um, of uh, Tottenham cock and balls dragged across your forehead. Jesse graphic, is feeling but, himself today. Uh, I'm absolutely thrilled. <laughs> I, I saw a couple of stats earlier today, or a, a table snapshot, match week 29. Uh, Arsenal was in fourth on 51 points. Spurs were in eighth on 45 points, and Arsenal had a game in hand. 
So that's at a, that's 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 with ten games, you know, ten games, twelve games to go, and uh, and we're here again. I did also see a tweet today that you're not Spurs if you don't have a little bit of nervousness that we still need to get a draw to confirm Champions League. So there's still a little bit of nerviness there against uh, of course against a dead um, uh, Leicester City. North City. I, I saw. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, North City. I saw a relegated Newcastle put five past Spurs in 2015-16 when uh, Spurs had their sort of last ditch effort at at trying to make a championship run but yeah we've been the better team for five years I think the the St. Totteringham's day of of when Arsenal was confirmed to finish ahead of Arsenal went on for 15-20 years and then now the last um, I think this will be the sixth or the seventh season that, that Spurs have finished ahead of um, Arsenal provided, obviously, we, we, we handle business um, on, uh, on, Friday, uh, on Sunday. Uh, the, the ultimate comedy, I don't know if I want to go for joy and just absolutely batter Norwich, um, RIP Canaries, or if I would just want to go for the ultimate Arsenal tiers of um, have Spurs lose and, uh, and then still see Arsenal lose against a, an 87th minute Delhi strike that, uh, that puts them away because that would be the even, even funnier. But I hope we batter uh, batter Norwich and a, a kind of a an almost a going away like uh, Daddy's home. Uh, we're back in the uh, in the Champions League send off with a with a brace each from from Kane and Son and Kula. Why not? Yeah, I mean, from your uh, lips to God's ears, there, man. I would love to see Delhi Alley somehow get a winner against Arsenal. But we're gonna have to mark this podcast explicit because of Jesse's uh, blue language there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, no, it um, it was again. It was just it was it was just fun to watch. It was it was fun to. Um, I mean, there was almost no negatives to the game at all, right? The only negative was uh, that Romero was out. That's the only thing I can think of, like literally. And then that came with its own positive that Sanchez actually played reasonably well. Uh, he had a couple really nice balls in the box. I was very surprised by that. Who knew he could be a progressive passer? Uh, maybe we should try that guy in the middle of the park kidding I guess if that would be terrible um uh I can't even imagine that but um yeah no uh I was uh yeah it's it's just it's really hard to um basically what I was trying to think of is is if if we had pulled what Arsenal pulled today for instance and I know we'll get to this a little bit more oh my god I just can't what what Jesse was mentioning earlier, the, the loss that we had to Newcastle five, six years ago, whatever that was, that was kind of one of the more Spursy little collapses I can think of where we came that close to potentially winning the league. That was, I think, when we lost an FA Cup final to Chelsea right at the same time. Um, we just kind of imploded right there in the last few games. And I think that was the last time Arsenal finished ahead of us right at the very end of that season. Right. Yeah. So they finished third, they finished second. Yeah, and I mean that was pretty bad. That's the like I said, that's the most Spursy that I can remember us being, uh, at least when we were going well. But man, if uh, if we had if we had done what they did, can you imagine what the media would say? Instance, for instance, oh, of yeah. just the Spursiness of it, the collapse for the whole last few months, but especially in the last week, the last you know, that's incredible. I I just can't imagine. I know that you guys were sharing some different videos from the Arsenal uh, was a fan cast or whatever their thing is. And man, I mean, I'm glad I don't have to ever be on that during a super disappointing game. Man, those guys are insane. They're so entitled. They're so it does yeah, feel crazy. a little masochistic to me, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like it's almost like they they take a little bit of 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 joy out of their own pain. Because why do you why would you keep I think so? I mean, I, I first mean, fans talk. About I like too, watching it, to be fair. Sure. Oh, yeah, of course. But they seem like their seems angry. Our seems more pitying, self pity, or like moaning about stuff in terms of a oh, what was us Spurs always disappointing? Doctor Tottenham, blah blah blah. Theirs is anger. <laughs> like the, those guys are <laughs> man. You could go to prison for stuff like that. Well, you guys were talking about Davinson, and I think one of the points to make, like when you look at Dav, when you look at Doherty, when you look at Emerson Royale, like all these players that we were ready to bin off that were pretty awful by all accounts, even two or three months ago, have become like players that people are like the Conte really getting behind. Yeah. And it's and I think it speaks to, yes, Conte, the coaching, all of that that's been talked about. But even just like the system itself, like there is a difference between 
having a defense like we had a year ago where it was kind of like Jose Ball, we're playing defensively, we're kind of just like trying to keep the ball out of the box, no real plan on offense. Um, We were still playing counter football, which we're doing now, but it looks a lot different. And it feels like there's more of a system in place where guys know where they're supposed to be. We can play out of the back and not feel like, oh, my God, we're about to leak a goal. Like, I can actually feel comfortable when Hugo passes it to one of the defenders and they're kind of passing it around and getting the ball to Pierre, getting the ball to Benson Kerr. And it's like there just seems to be a a lot more organization on the pitch. What's a play? And that allows the players that have been playing poorly to, to look better than maybe they even are because they're playing more within a system. Well, to play that much, I feel like we're playing better defense now than we did under Nuno or Jose, but not taken away from our offense. That's right, the biggest exactly. thing. Those yep. two, it was, it was single-minded and not very well done on just defense. Uh, so, yeah, to be able to, to – to, our defense is probably the most impressive thing under Conte. Our offense is a lot more fun to watch. Like you're saying, we're still kind of playing the same counterattacking style most of the time. but Just a better play. The, it is, yeah. I mean, especially against the bigger teams. And it's good that our offense does work against smaller teams, like Arsenal, obviously. And uh, so we, <laughs> we, we are able to control the ball if need be. The only teams that I see giving us trouble, and we'll, we'll talk about Burnley later, but it's that kind of team where they don't want any of the ball. And they're barely even going to try to counter until they get go down a goal. We just need to unlock and get that first goal. Um, that's those are the most dangerous teams to play. And I'm trying to think like what, what Norwich, what is their style? Do they play a low block? Are we, uh... their style is just bad football. Um, <laughs> well, that, that's helpful. <laughs> but I, you mentioned Burnley and, and we should get to that in a second, but I, I did want to talk a little bit about the fouls because I was watching the game um, with DC Spurs. You know, I, I took the rest of the, the day off. Cause I was like, this is a big match. And I'm, I'm expecting it to be a small group. And I get that. there and it looks up. like a Saturday. Like it's it was packed in there. Uh, we were in there partying as soon as we as soon as I walked in, it was singing. It was everything. But once the game started, it was like, OK, holding bang, grabbing on Sonny, a little extra nudge on that uh, on that foul by the touchline where he it seemed like, OK, there's obviously a plan here to mess with him. And there was like probably two or three fouls that probably could have been yellows that the ref let go early on. It was kind of like, bro, like this is a foul. I'm going to let you get away with it. But then it's like he kept doing it. And it's like you're not doing it in a smart enough way where you're not going to end up getting booked. And then the second yellow really could have been a second red (laughs) by the time that was probably fouled like number five by the time he finally got sent off. So it's like, number one, you're just not playing this smartly. You're not spreading your fouls out. You didn't even get to minute 30. And then the other thing is like that second foul where you just like bang chicken wing somebody in the head when they're trying to make a run. Like, like, like you said earlier, like that could have been a straight red. So I'm not really sure what the complaint was by anybody on on the team let alone Mikel's comments after the game um but yeah like the penalty eh, maybe um maybe you have a little bit more of an argument there but I think I thought Rob Holden was awful he had a terrible game for them and he let his whole team down so thank you for that yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, he was awful. And I did want to, that, that was actually what I was going to bring up is our TED of press conference afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> that was the most petulant that I can remember seeing. Like, I mean, that was Jose level of petulance. Like he must've been taking classes in PR from Mourinho himself with that. I'm, I'm going to get fined and I don't want to be suspended, blah, blah, blah. Like, come on, man. The, the fact that he did that, to be honest, that set arsenal up for and again we'll get to this later but today's game like how about you get a little bit mad at your own team for completely capitulating to your your biggest foe i mean come on that was i I feel like he let his own his own players off the hook for that that performance and i don't think that helped him at all and then uh the other thing i would just want to say really quickly you were talking about um earlier uh holding 
well, them trying to kind of go at Spurs those first few minutes. It looked like they were trying to, yeah, to to kind of like, um, you know, to 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 provoke us. And I, I think that they, it seemed like they went after Son in particular because he had he has a little bit of a past petulance uh, to him where he will kick out. I mean, we've seen him get some reds, which I think I, I forget, yeah, that, forget who that uh, Antonio Rudiger one. Yeah, I mean there were there's there's yeah. a couple in in the in the years where Son is super happy and then he just kicks out or does whatever kind of stupid uh you know what do they call it? the the red mist or whatever it is um it could have worked but man that backfires spectacularly yeah see my thing is I pull a lot of this on Arteta like from the beginning like I'm telling you that was probably some of his tactics was like get under Spurs skin like and especially Sunny but. Sonny's the one that's making the runs in, in behind. So I know between him and Cedric, they had, like Arteta told them, don't let Sonny get behind you. Don't let Sonny get behind you. So a lot of what Holding did was to prevent Sonny from getting behind him. So he'd hold him up, um, he'd keep him from running. The way he blocked him off, he didn't want Sonny to get behind him. Um, but it was on Arteta to say, okay, you picked up that first yellow card you you've picked up three fouls already like back off like play him play him differently instead of trying to hug tight to Sonny maybe let him run but you know you stay back a little bit more so so you can see what's in front of you Arteta never at any point tried to calm them down and to me that's the job of a manager especially with a young team like that it's the job of the manager to say all right y'all calm down if you have to tell one player we're changing these, this tactic a little bit, spread that around to the rest of the team. You do that. Like, I just, this is the part. About I, I agree that with that. Seem, that just doesn't seem like I'm not, I'm not letting Rob holding off the hook. That, that guy. Yeah. I mean, that's, but that's like, what I'm saying. Like I'm not putting the, an elbow to somebody's head on the coach, not coming in. Like you should just know as a professional player, not to make that play. And the thing about Rob holding is like, I heard this a few times. The four fouls he picked up in those 33 minutes were the most fouls he's ever had in a game. Yeah. So it's idiotic, but it's also, it, it seemed to me a directive. And that's where I say, Arteta, you, fuck, you fucked up. You got to know your um, team and you got to know who you can trust to do things, you know, like, and, and, and like holding, holding, whether he doesn't have the temperament, the mentality, whatever word you want to use, like uh obviously has the physicality but you got to know where the line is and you got to be able to know like okay I can cross the line one time here you know and catch a yellow but I can't do it a second time and so like you got to know your team and and I think like you know yeah, to make that is, foul on a yellow is crazy right it's, it's right. idiotic I mean that would have been a, that so would have been a straight red I'd have been pissed if that wasn't a straight red because it was yeah. stopping a scoring chance and it was clearly malicious he wasn't trying the funny thing was afterwards was uh, was um, Jaka was trying to make an argument to Davinson that that Sonny put his head in. They I, saw that. The I saw He's that. I was trying to figure out what he was emotion, saying like, there. He picks up Davinson's elbow like, no, Sonny hit his head on my guy's elbow. And it's like, dude, that is not at all what happened. So he he how dipped his head down de- into his arm, of course. Right. Right. So how does Arteta defend that, though? How does he not see that, too? How does he think that's a bad call? Again, the penalty I get, it's a 50-50. That is a second yellow is unquestionable. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's stuff that you can probably like, I'm assuming that it's, it's, and, and, you know, there are, uh, whatever, there's a, there's a time for calling you guys out in public and there's a time for not. And maybe he didn't feel like that was the time to call him out. Mixed him up. Obviously you don't, you can watch soccer for two minutes and you can realize that's not legal. Yeah. Um, and that was a really dumb play. So maybe he just figured let's, let's keep this business in house to, to not trash a guy uh, when you need him ahead of the the two uh, the two final right. games. Yeah, the but... only argument I can think of is just what I was saying earlier that they just start seem very hesitant to give up second yellows in, in the Premier League. I feel like you have to get five yellows before you get your second one. The fact that his second one was a second red, as you said earlier, uh, that maybe played a part into it. But I, it's just crazy to even try to 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 blame the ref for that. The funny thing is, I was rewatching the game over the weekend and. Um, the commentator who I completely did not hear while I was in the bar was saying basically what Kim just said that like, Oh, you know, they're trying to block those runs in from behind, you know, they're, they have to be careful because they know that Sun is going to try to make those runs. And it seems like holdings getting a little bit um, outside of himself and he's, he needs to be careful. And literally 
got his red card like 20 seconds later. Like it was almost like it's almost like they knew it was coming. Um, and of course, after that, we get the free kick that leads to a corner that leads to the second goal. So that was kind of like, by the way, a two for I think one. That, I think that was one. I just I remember noting this mentally. Wasn't that a corner? I can't remember who that was now, but somebody let that go out of play and if they gotten a shot from the goalkeeper, right? Tomiyasu let that yeah. go out of play. And then it, it was like the ones that we had against Liverpool a couple times where Emerson let it go out of play. I mean, that's pretty, I remember, yes, that's pretty very similar. Very similar. <laughs> I just remember seeing uh, that and it ring and just and, and then when they scored immediately after, again, these are the things that you take extra relish in, right? Is when we're getting like potentially soft <laughs> penalty calls against your rival or when they're making stupid mistakes that almost never backfire and they, they do. That's perfect i was just saying one before we leave that point i definitely said in one of our group chats i was like like holding's having a, a hard time with sun i might have said that around like minute 20 because i was just like he seems to just be fouling him over and over and over and like i say like 10 minutes later it was like he's off and you could just see it happening like i could see that coming i was not surprised to see him get a red guard i mean this is obviously the most we've ever discussed Arsenal or ever planned to discuss <laughs> Arsenal again on this podcast. But while we're here and I mean, Arsenal is important to the end of our season because we're obviously battling them for the final champions league spot. They won four games in a row coming into this match, beat Chelsea, beat United, beat West Ham, barely beat Leeds. And then they lost to us. And then today, earlier today, we're recording this on Monday night. They lost to Newcastle 2 nil. I don't know how much come of this on game. you magpies. Come on, come on, boys. Um, I'm not sure how much of this match you guys got to see. Um, I was able to watch most of it. I was actually yelling and screaming at my TV like it was a Spurs match on because I was just so excited to see what was going on. But um, it's kind of the same thing that we're talking about for the Tottenham match. Like, I think Newcastle came out and basically surprised them by how much possession they were maintaining. Um, and they didn't really have like a second plan. It looked like uh, the crowd was obviously behind Newcastle and they were like really creating chance after chance after chance. They had like six corners in the first half. Um, and once that goal went in, shout out to Ben White. Um, then it really started to look like we were talking about earlier, like, this is not a team that has that resolve where they're going to be able to like, okay, we could put it behind us. Um, you could see in the body language that guys are starting to think about it. And once you start thinking too much, um, I thought maybe, you know, they could make some adjustments at halftime and come out and, but they didn't score a goal. And after winning four matches in a row, they went two away games without scoring a goal. And now it's looking like their top four hopes are all but over. I don't want to speak too soon, but um, any other takeaways from that match? I, I know it's not a Spurs match, but it, it did feel a little bit like one earlier today. I wonder if this is uh, one of the first times I can think of at least, but maybe, maybe we have a Dr. Tottenham in reverse where Arsenal came in hot. We're the ones that flipped them onto their, uh, their, their, you know, Ooh, poor patch right now. Yeah, I like that show. I mean, I like to think it at least, right? Especially if they... It's like know. if Dr. Tottenham became Dr. Kevorkian. Something like that. That's exactly what I... That was, that was the same analogy I was thinking in my head too, yeah. But, um, I mean, dude, Newcastle played them pretty much as well as we did. Like, they did... That was not a smashing grab. That was not a lucky win. Arsenal would have been super lucky to even get a draw on that one. Uh, they were, like you said, they were creating chance after chance. At one point, Newcastle had like 65 or 70 percent uh, possession in the first half. I mean, they it were was, bossing the game. Yeah, right? it was Completely. it was not like a counterattack small team. And I know, New, I mean, hopefully this is the last time in my life I'll ever be rooting for Newcastle to win a game, to be honest. <laughs> Fair Nothing enough. against the team or the fans of the city or anything like that. Great accent, by the way. But man, owners leave a lot to be desired. Um, but uh I know somebody was talking about earlier, Arteta coaching just wasn't making the necessary changes in the Spurs game. Today was the same thing. Like he was like, what are you doing? Make some changes, just mix things up, do something. The, 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 the players, I mean, I guess that's what bottling looks like, right? Like they looked tense. They looked whenever you saw, I mean, anything, their body language. I mean, this is me just reading into it. I'm sure I'm not a body language expert, but they really looked nervous, right? They looked like things were coming down or like their season was collapsing around them. 
And that's the way they definitely played in Newcastle. Man, they just looked like they were all about, they, they were just full of energy, just running at everything. They're creating space, creating chances. They just really looked up for it. Uh, it was it was pretty fun to watch that game too. Not quite as fun as the North London Derby, obviously, but almost the same amount of rooting interest. That was more fun than the Burnley game uh, <laughs> that we that we watched, even though we ended up getting a result there. But oh, um, that Burnley game, goodness gracious! I mean, I wonder how much of this. There's two factors to play there, right? Like the youth of the team, and not that that means that you can't have a, a tough mindset or know what to do. But that's a situation that a lot of the guys on that team haven't been in before of like need needing a result. Right. And so as, as much talent as there at the Arsenal team, like there's not guys that have, that have had that, that steel, um, you know, mentality and those kind of things. And then on the other side, Newcastle's got some new disgusting oil money coming in. These guys are like, Hey, please let me play here next year. Don't sell me to some championship team or some, or, or, or you know, some, some farmers league team. Like, these guys are still probably playing to impress the, the the new the new owners to be like, hey, I know you're going to buy some new players, but keep me around. Um, so they're playing with some tenacity and some heart and some push, even though what are they? They're playing to jump from 14th to 13th. There's a little, little bit more money on there, but it's not you know significant. So you know, I think that's a little bit of it. And and I, I saw a, a tweet today that said I think since match week 20, um, Newcastle was has been the fourth best team in the league. Um, after City, Pool, Spurs, I think that was it. Um, and then Newcastle. So they've been really, really solid. Um, Newcastle is currently in 12th place. And if they win on uh, Championship Sunday, they have a chance to go as high as ninth. They were in a genuine relegation threat in January, too. I'm not sure yeah. what $100 million in January will do, whatever. Yeah, seriously. But, like, honestly, the thing about um, Newcastle to me is um, I did after they lost to City, like the last game they played, they lost five nil and players on the team were like, our last home game, we're going to come to play. You saw Trippier saying stuff in the media. He didn't even play, but he said stuff in the media about we want to win. Like we want to beat Arsenal. Um, Bruno G said something as well in the media was saying basically like this is not what we want to show our fans. So I had a feeling they'd come into the game just wanting to go out on a good note for their fans. But Arsenal just wasn't ready for the way that they pressed. I think that was the main thing. Newcastle was just all over them. I didn't see the whole match, but what I saw was any moment that Arsenal got the ball, Newcastle was looking like they were Liverpool, the way they were pressing them. And Arsenal just could not cope. Uh, and it seems, you know, we played them a little differently, but and we, we gave them the ball for some of the game. But for, honestly, to me, Newcastle just... And when you see guys like Joe Linton just kill them, <laughs> the, like that guy has become a midfielder from a striker and he's actually become like a decent, like premier. I was going to say that was a good move. League level midfielder, like moving him from moving him uh, to the midfield. And the thing about Eddie Howe is he's the kind of manager that likes to play expansive football. You saw him at Bournemouth, even when they didn't have the players to do it, he wants them to play football. So I think they're finally at the point where they're probably getting a little more comfortable with the system. They know Arsenal was there for the taking. They saw what they did the last game. Um, and I think they just looked at it as a, as a way to just go out on a high note and Arsenal had nothing for them. And I think to me, that's, that was the game. I'm happy for the win. I'm not going to give uh, Newcastle any more props after today. So they're going to have to take what they can get from, from Monday night. Cause once, once Tuesday starts, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Newcastle is about to be the new Chelsea. So um, thanks for today and screw you guys. Um, Burnley match. I don't think we need to talk too much about it. There's probably not too much to say about the Burnley match. Uh, It was a slog like every match against Burnley is. A part of me wants to see Burnley go down just so that we don't have to do this twice a year. But a part of me also kind of feels like, Having to beat Burnley is like uh, it's it's like a rite of passage for Premier League teams. Like it does uh, get rid of them, get rid of them, get rid of them. <laughs> Burnley, you're gone. I mean, there'll be another one. I mean, we talk about um, we talk about penalties that were close. I mean, I don't think anybody even knew that penalty was a penalty until two or three minutes after it happened. Uh, gameplay kept going, and then all of a sudden, you're seeing stoppages for VAR, and it's like, wait, what? I didn't. Nobody even thought anything happened until you saw the replay. I mean, that is another penalty that like, hey, I'll take it. <laughs> but if I'm on the other side of that, 
of course, after you see the replay, you can't really argue with it because it did hit his arm. I mean, if his but, hands um, are down and he's making himself like an arrow, they don't call it. But he was wacky, inflatable tube hand man at the car dealership. <laughs> I mean, his he was not only full on T pose. He was almost into a Y like he was making himself huge. And was something coming from that? Very, very, very unlikely from a Davinson missed kick off of his shin up there. But you just can't make yourself that big in the box and, and expect to get away with it um uh you know there i think that you know, i'd seen something that was just like even from a spurs fan i think that was just like i wish there was something else besides penalty or no penalty that was like a medium you know punishment in that like case indirect in, free kick indirect free kick in the box which are always <laughs> fun to see or what could it be or is it a you know, I don't it's a know, penalty from to... the top of the box. Yeah, like to to I, I mean, again, there. like is there something like cool. that's one of the coolest things is is that 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 soccer is so simple that there's not all these flagrant two, flagrant three, like all these different types of things. But like, it is a little bit unfortunate. I, I know that we obviously didn't score again, but I believe that we would have. I mean, Pope was um, he I, was outstanding. I was making jokes that the the Pope rests on Sundays when he didn't even freaking move for that cane penalty. I mean, I know he's the greatest penalty taker in the world right now, but he doesn't do Panekas. He wasn't going to kick it straight at you, at least make an attempt. Um, but you know, to, to sort of see him do he nothing. He wasn't saving else. that penalty anyway, though. No, for that sure. Not, was but at least like, man. try. But like, so I was like, oh, Pope rests on Sundays, but then he made some incredible <laughs> saves that. We know Sonny is, is is so clinical and he outperforms his his um his XG year after year. But like the, the two saves that he had, hand saves on Sonny, I think one was a forearm, were absolutely incredible. Some of the best saves I've seen um against Spurs all year. And I think, you know, we ended the XG something like two and a half. Um, so if the penalty is is 0.7, still generated almost two, two XG, which is pretty good against a team that's gonna have that low block like that. So it's one of those ones that is not fun to watch. It's not fun. To, it's not enjoyable, especially when you're, you're it's still one Oh in the eighties and you're like, Oh, let's try not to give this up. But even with the defense, when I mean, we know Romero is a world-class player, but like Davinson, I was nervous when he slotted in right before that he did his job very, very well. And I think that like, that was, that was, that was strong, especially in this team. I mean, we know we have a, a shallow team in terms of not a lot of depth and we were playing not 48 hours uh, or not, not even 72 hours later with, with almost the same 11. So I was super impressed by, by that, that effort. And it's an ugly game, but we're obviously not winning a championship here, but championship teams win ugly games. Like that's what it requires. Sometimes, sometimes you have to, to bang out these late nineties, you know, Pistons, Knicks, you know, 88 to 76 wins that you don't see in the NBA anymore. But like, that stuff has to happen if you're winning championships, if you're going to Champions League. You've got to grit out when either you don't have your best or their keeper standing on his head. Like, yes, in this case, it was a penalty, but I, I believe in, in my, in my, from, the, from the bottom of my gut that we would have found uh, a goal in the second half if, uh, if not for that, uh, that penalty because we're, we're starting to win ugly. Like, it felt like this is what we were doing under Jose, and, and it just feels a little bit different now. Maybe it's because we're right in it. We're right on the wave, so this wave feels different than the last one but it just feels a little bit different than we were when we were gutting out a couple of one Oh wins in the, uh, the early, uh, early to mid Jose era. I don't think I mean, I'm quite as confident as you are that we would have found a goal just because again, those Brighton and Brentford games are not that far in the rearview mirror. And this felt similar to that. Like I said, this is the one kind of team that always worries me is when they are just really not interested in scoring. They're, they're happy with the point. I remember you talking about, earlier this season just a few games ago that we're probably going to get Burnley at the right time because they really need to play for something the, pro the problem with that thinking which I agree with overall but uh the teams at the top of the table if you lose one game that's devastating right at the bottom they lose all the games if you win a game it's great so Burnley like getting a draw is a big thing down there like obviously they want to get a win but until the very last game before you are mathematically eliminated, a draw is still a good result, especially away at a top six club, you know, so that's the position they were in. And they, so and they I, have a game in hand. Yeah. Which is so against I, Crystal Palace, and they'll probably lose that game. Oh, no, that's yes, Everton, Palace, rather. Palace has been all right, though. Um, yeah, Burnley but, has to play Villa away. But, yeah, I mean, I was, I think, like everybody else, when you're watching that game, just very nervous. I was very glad that that penalty came uh, near the half rather than right at the end of the game. Uh, it forced Burnley to try to come and play it. And, and when they came and played, they actually looked halfway decent in the second half. Um, 
it did open up a little bit of space. There were a couple chances, but nothing great. I think not having Kulisewski really hurt. I think that he's just become such an integral part of what makes our attack dynamic, what makes it – I mean, Lucas is fun to watch sometimes, but that guy just loves to dribble into a cul-de-sac. He's, that's, that's his uh, – that is his, his MO is just to dribble into a group of three to five players and then lose the ball. Um, you're 100% right now. And, Lucas, I'll, I'll throw it to Kimmy too, but, but one thing I, that I'll disagree with you on, with the difference between this and the, and the, um, the Brentford-Brighton draws was we generated no shots on goal in those two games. True. And we had Agreed. six. Like, we were getting stuff going. Absolutely. Just, Pope was making some big saves. And yeah, no, that, that's a very good point. I, we, we did generate much more chances. I think we had, like, what, one and a half XG, something around there. Um, we – we played pretty well, even though it was not very much fun to watch. It was probably the stakes made it obviously <laughs> less fun to watch as you're just watching it with this, like your the lead gut, you know? Um, like I said, the fact that we had no Kulu, no, no Kulu, no uh, Romero. And then obviously Royale is already our second choice, right back. The entire right side of our, our team was all second choice. That, that doesn't help for fluidity. doesn't help for breaking down teams when you have Mara running into groups of players rather than Decky kind of picking his way around them. Um, I just, the, you, you brought up earlier right before that pen, like that nobody knew had gotten called for a little while. <clears throat> that was the one where Kane scuffed a shot that looked like an easy goal. There were a couple that really should have been goals from, from Kane and son. Um, and then I know Jesse, you were talking earlier about, um, you know, the, the good teams do need to win ugly sometimes, especially if you're winning championships. Well, it's just I think Conte did say earlier that getting the top four in the Premier League is almost the equivalent to a championship in the other league. A part of that is all the uh, super billionaire rich clubs at the top. But it's just a tough league, man. A lot of it is aided, I think, by probably American TV broadcast money, to be honest. that gives them a huge edge over some of the other foreign leagues. But those, those top, the top-heavy uh, aspect of the Premier League versus other leagues where they have a single team up there, now we're starting to get more of a tiered structure with, you know, the, the oil money at the top, the teams that have done things, uh, I'll say, the right way, quote-unquote, which is, I guess, your Man U's, your Liverpool's, uh, Arsenal, Spurs, the, these teams that have kind of organically grown their brand and, and therefore their money versus the Chelsea City and now Newcastle, which is an infusion of cash. Um it's it just top four is going to be really tough to get in the next uh, next few years. I mean, can you? How I don't even. We're going to have to have more Premier League teams in the uh, Champions League if you unless you want to. Just, it's going to be Premier League teams at the finals every year. Like how if if City hadn't. Well, they are that saying one. that um, they're in, they're uh, they are enhancing or increasing the amount of teams that get into the Champions League, which may result in a fifteen from the Premier League, but it's going to be based on coefficients. So then it might happen for other leagues to get, I don't really understand exactly how it works, yeah. but I, I know Kim, you've been waiting to say something for a while. Yeah. Sorry. I rattled on to a whole different subject there. Oh, no, it's cool. So just like a couple things on Burnley, I didn't get to watch it um, live. I'm in San Francisco. So that match happened at 4 a.m. And one thing I'm not even a fan up at 4 a.m. I mean, I can, you can call me not a fan. And, and if I was, I will, I will say if I was here not for work and I didn't actually have to be up at 6am to go to work, I probably would have watched it. Um, I probably would have. Can you imagine though waking something. up at 4am to watch Burnley? I would just, I, I would be the person that just would not go to sleep. Like I'd have some coffee at midnight. I'd That's go, the only I'd way to like, do it. On the I'd, be, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be doing fun stuff. And then I would go to the bar at 4am and then literally go home right after the match and fall asleep. Um, I would just I would just use that to be a part of my night and have a long night. Um, but the thing about what you guys were saying, like the difference between like how we were uh, under Jose and now, I just think like our defense has like true structure. So when someone moves out of position, there's always someone to go in behind them to fill their space. So you'll see when like Romero goes up, Pierre will drop back into a center back role. Um, when Davies goes up, you might see another um, midfielder drop in. And so I just feel like guys know where they're supposed to be. And when they're in places that they're not supposed to be, it's a part of a system. And so they just fill in. And so you, you'll see like when someone's out of place and someone gets in behind, you'll see Davies making a block. You'll see Romero making a block. Guys just find themselves in good spots now. And it seems like they're better able to um 
to, to see where people are going to go. So if you push someone down a channel, someone's like, okay, they're going to shoot. It's probably going to end up here. Let me try to block here. And that's what, that, that's what I feel like we end up seeing now is just a better defensive team, a team that knows what they're doing, as opposed to when we were playing under Jose, we were just on our own, like on our own box. And we were just all over the place. <laughs> Like we had some yeah. some moments you ever where have we a were job. just super shambolic on defending. It was terrible. You ever have a job where like your manager doesn't give you very clear directions, and then you spend the whole time wondering if you're, you're talking about moving. Jose again? I wasn't necessarily. <laughs> Maybe you thought I was. I, I was. Hey, definitely. I was just. Nothing. I was just saying. Generally speaking, um, I mean, another cool thing about Burnley, other than the fact that we got the three points, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't a ton uh, of, of of joy that came out of actually watching the match. Um, but obviously after the game, it's the last home game and all the players are able to kind of like do their lap of appreciation and Sonny gets player of the year and they do a montage and the fans are there and they're going crazy. And obviously we saw them have a huge impact with that dare dream do Tifo in the South stand again in the Derby match, uh, Derby match. <laughs> I learned from last week. <laughs> um, how dare you? <laughs> I mean, how much of an impact were our fans in those two matches, two games that we had to win. We won them both. We had clean sheets in both matches and the fans just seemed to be up for it. I don't know if that stadium sounded the way it sounded on Thursday at any point before then. Um, and I do wonder like how much that affected the match. Is that naive to think that a bunch of overweight drunk bastards actually make an impact on a game of professional football? Um, I don't know. What what do you guys think? Is is home so, field advantage a real thing or is that it's just definitely a real thing? It's Ow. absolutely a real thing. Explain well, it I to mean, me. the easiest way is just by looking at the numbers in every sport in the entire world for why it, it's a reason. I think that's up in the air. I remember reading an article years ago. There's no way I can cite this because I don't even remember what sport it was about. It might have been generic, but um, the, the idea is, is it more about All right, there's a few different things that it could be. It could be familiarity with the home field, right? Like literally, like in baseball, for instance, we know Houston's got that weird-ass center field. There's right. different things. White Hart Lane used to be very narrow. We had the most narrow pitch in the league. So they, that's played to our strengths in, in terms of the way we play, the way we set up. So there's that aspect. is like literally playing to the um, specific geography, whatever you want to call it. Um, there's also the impact on the players. Does it heighten them when they hear their you know chance for themselves, when they're – potentially playing in front of more family and friends and just more, more support in general. Um, even though you do hear, obviously that it seems like the fans maybe are even louder on the road because you have like the ultra type fans, right. You have the, 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 um, the away the fans. Groups. Right. So, uh, yeah. but then I think the, one of the most interesting is the impact they have on the ref. And I know this is probably Jesse's thing with this is a uh, sports psychology, but are refs pressured to give calls to the home team, right? You have, fucking 40,000 fans that are jeering at you to make this call for their team. Well, we got a few good time. ones in our last two matches. Yeah, so maybe exactly. Maybe so, to that. so, I mean, it would be, it would, I had, I would have to do more research to actually give you a, a more clear answer on it, but it we, we don't need has. research. We got Jesse right here. What do we need research for? <laughs> Jesse's about to pull out the, the stats for us. Yeah. Come on. Just tell us what we need to hear. Yeah, I'm I don't feverishly need to typing up. to try and find it, but The Athletic did a story this week, um, uh, and uh, it was about how the home field advantage was back this year. It had been basically every year in Premier League history, ex with the exception of uh, last season when most of the games were played in front of an empty crowd, and it still wasn't like the, the away um, was hugely favorable, but it was, you know, it's been, it's been favored every year, and it, their argument was – um, it seemed like the most was, was the, was what Ben said, the influence on the referees. Um, and obviously like they do, they work hard to not do that, but they're as everything is there's the human element and, you know, it probably gives you a little more trepidation to make a, a 50, 50 call against the, the home team. Um, when you're going to get your freaking ears just covered, you know, 
food like incessantly like right i mean like not everybody but like most people want to be liked and that's the same for referees not that you're going to completely throw all of your training and discipline and all these things at the table but those like small things those some of those 50 50 things it seems like that was it so i think that's absolutely a factor happy to have my sports psychologist wife on as a guest during uh, an off-season pod to talk about the uh, the input like and in, in, uh, home field advantage in, in different sports but there is probably some benefit in sleeping in your own bed and doing a routine that you've done a bunch of times right they say practice how you play and this is you know spurs obviously have their own practice facility but like you're you're having more experience at your own stadium you're doing the same things when you're at home than when you're on the road even though in the, in the premier league it's a little bit different where you know, for most of the time outside of the the, the, the clubs that get uh, promoted each year, you're going to the same places over and over and over again, right? So although still Kane and the boys have made, you know, 10 trips to or, or five trips to Arsenal over the last five years, they've still in that same time made whatever five times 19, 98, 96 trips to, to, to White Hart Lane or to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium at the same time. So you just that, that more comfortability or Wembley um, breeds consistent performances. <laughs> yeah, and you saw it took a while to that for that to, to to take place at Wembley, right? It took a little while before they got familiar with it, they got comfortable there. That yeah. it goes to what Jesse was saying there is probably more about um, just like getting used to that, uh, like getting uh, with a just a, a rhythm, uh, 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 doing the same thing over and over again. You know, getting. Well, let me ask it, it a different way then. Like, do you think that there is a disadvantage for the away team? Like, obviously, if the refs are not giving you calls, that's a clear disadvantage. But do you think away teams play any worse or is it just that, like, they are missing that comfort level? I mean, these are still professional footballers, right? It's it's different in different sports. Um, I think that, yeah, that that plays against them is is having to travel, sleeping in a hotel bed versus going to your your, you know, your home. I feel like that would be I guess it just it it offsets. just your comfortability. And, and there, there might be like, if you were to really look in, in depth, maybe some players that do better uh, on the road than at home, this would probably be a baseball stat just because all the splits they have, how many games they have, where you could look up players that pitch better on the road or something like that. Um, I did want to just point out really quickly. I remember reading uh, some, some stories back when Jose was around that there was a lot of uh, talk of him having survived as long as he did because there were no fans to really show how unhappy everybody was with his playing style. And then in that same token, uh, that's the one thing I think fans could probably impact on players is they probably, I don't think Spurs would have uh, sat back as frequently as they did under Jose. Um, Cause remember how he kept saying, it's not my direction. They're just doing that. I think that the fans would have probably urged the players forward a little bit more. I mean, that might be naive. I remember it's, this is more of uh, articles written, but of the impact that the fans can have on the actual, like the style that the, the, the way the team plays on the pitch. And then again, that that might've actually uh, prolonged Jose's stay at Spurs because the fans didn't have as much uh, direct input into how, how upset they were. Well, I also style. I also feel like the fans weren't they didn't buy into the Jose system. Uh when we beat City, it felt like, oh, maybe we have something here, but it wasn't sustainable for a long enough time. Whereas like with Conte, we saw an impact and an, and that impact grew over time. Whereas it felt like with Jose, there was an initial impact that ended up wavering at overtime and i think the fans are not idiots and um that probably had something to do with it but you know what do i know um in any event this is the koizar us podcast um this is episode seven as i said earlier we can be found online most likely on twitter koizar us podcast is our handle make sure you follow us reach out and show us some love We can also be found on mostly every streaming service. If you're listening to this, then that means you found at least one of them. So shout to you. That was a good job. We do talk a lot on this podcast about the Tottenham Triangle. Um, We have one more match before the season is over. Can you believe it? It feels like the season never ends. It's just going and going and going. But we're finally at the end of it. Um, we've, We've had a lot of ups and downs. I was thinking about this earlier today, like, if you had told me we were going to be in a top four race in the last, I can't remember the last time 
the last match of the season felt like it mattered as much as this year. Like a lot of times by this time of the year, it's just kind of like, all right, we're going to finish sixth or fifth or whatever, or fourth or, you know, but like the last match of the season doesn't usually mean anything. Um, and for, for this year, uh, for a long time, it actually does. So we are going to give our predictions for the last match, which is Norwich away. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask for two things this time, guys, I'm going to ask for your prediction. And I'm going to also ask where you are in the triangle. Um, and as a reminder, our, our, our three sides to the Tottenham triangle is either getting my hopes up, getting disappointed or starting to believe again. So Kim, I'm going to start with you. All right. So I would say on the Tottenham triangle, as you know, we have one match left. And um, to me, I think I said last week, um, I was hoping we'd be Arsenal. I was hoping they would lose to Newcastle. That was like my hope for the, for the week. I was like, we, we'd win the games we are supposed to they lose to Newcastle will be in the driver's seat. Then I, I will be at the point where I'll be like, okay, I'm, I'm getting my hopes up. I am. I'm getting my hopes up at this point, because I think based on how we played in the last like two months, um, just the way the team looks, how cohesive they look, how together everyone looks. I just feel like we're moving in a good direction especially if we get top four, I think we'll have the pick of players that not the pick of players we want maybe, but I think we can sign good players for positions that we need. And so I, I am getting my hopes up and, you know, if I feel like if we get top four, definitely Conte stays. I don't see um, him. I didn't see him leaving if we didn't get top four um, just because I feel like he, he seems to enjoy this team a lot. Um, you can just see the way he interacts with them. Um, he he's also moved into a very we centric way of speaking when he talks about the team. So yeah, his um, language has know. changed. Yeah, for sure. It definitely has. You so could, you could so see yeah, it. Yeah. I, I think the last week has been definitely very booing uh, us winning and Arsenal losing was just like the recipe I needed to, to, to have like a good football week. Um, I do think we'll beat Norwich pretty handily. They're terrible, like absolutely terrible. So I'm going for like a four nil. Um, I'm hoping Sonny gets like a hat trick, gets the golden boot, um, you know, and I actually would like Sunny Ryan to, I would like Ryan Sessegnon to get a goal. I just feel like he's been, that's one guy that he's been playing so well, um, over the last few weeks. I just feel like he's been in the, in, in the right, in the right positions there, there were probably like two passes that he made to Sonny that Sonny could have turned into a goal. Um, you know, he obviously had that that um that assist at Liverpool so I just feel like defensively he's been sound across the board um and I feel like now he's getting that attacking um he's getting his attacking stuff under control so I just wanted to give him just a little big up before we ended up ended the podcast because I feel like we don't talk that much about him but I do feel like he's been a bright spot on that left side um especially in like the last week or two definitely yeah, a yeah, that's what we were saying. He always seems to take a few games to find his his sea legs again or whatever. And he definitely seems to have come to that. And I think at that point he becomes our best uh, you know, left wing back. I think he's probably better than Reggie, um, at least offensively. I'm surprised Reggie hasn't done more, but different topic for a different time. Um yeah, I, I agree with you for the most part. Uh, the fact that Conte has started saying we a lot more. <laughs> so for like the medium to long-term future, I feel uh, probably at the, the highest on the triangle I have for a little while because uh, Conte seems more invested than he has. And then for the season, I mean, our, our aim at the beginning of the season was at best probably fourth, right? I mean, I think a lot of people probably predicted fifth, sixth, maybe seventh. We were just hoping we'd get fourth. So as far as the season, I think I'm as optimistic as I could be without us just being mathematically guaranteed. I mean, we could we could draw with Norwich, and as long as we don't have a, you know, Arsenal doesn't. What do we have? Like a ten? I don't even. I have to check, but a 10, 15 goal difference 16. lead on Arsenal. We have, they yeah, have to I mean, win by sixteen. <laughs> yeah. So isn't happening. Good, obviously. Good, good luck, Gunners. Um, obviously. Uh, there is always that pessimistic little corner of your mind as a Spurs fan that you could fuck it up. But um, 
I don't think that's very likely. And I think it's more likely that Arsenal will drop points than we would in the last match. So I'm as optimistic as I think I could be without us being mathematically assured of the Champions League spot. I mean, shit, I'm knocking on wood to see if we can get up to third at this point and see if Chelsea can drop a couple. Let's get your prediction, actually. Oh, sorry, prediction. Yeah, sorry. Um, My predictions were pretty off this last time. I could have almost reversed them and been a lot closer. But I'll do uh, I'll do three zero Spurs three nil. I like that. For the record, Chelsea is on seventy points with two games to play, and Spurs are at sixty eight points with one game to play. What's the goal difference? Uh, they are plus like forty two. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, I'm 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 in a weird a weird space. Uh, I, I mean, I, I grew up in New York. I'm a Yankees fan, so. I've been a fan of, of dominant and winning teams. And so I've been on runs where like, even for seasons where like this team, team I root for is the best in their sport, but it's been a long, long time for the Yankees to, to have done that. And so I'm in this weird space where I'm a Rangers, New York Rangers fan, and they were down three, one this week. And then down in the series and down two Oh, in game five, which was a must win down two Oh, in game six, which was a must win down three, two in game seven, which obviously was a must win uh, late in that game. And they won all three and Spurs have gotten, I think eight points in the last uh, four when they've, uh, when they've needed, you know, all of that. And, um, uh, or maybe even that math may not be right, but like every time my team has been needing a win and I, I spend more emotional energy on and, and time on Rangers and Spurs than anything else at this point. It's happened, and my team. The, the results have gone my team's way, including you know Arsenal losing today. So this is a, a, a weird, but somewhat familiar feeling. So I'm just going to keep riding this wave. Conte staying, Kane staying, no matter what happens on Sunday. However, we're going to win four one on Sunday. We're going to give up one early. It might be one zero. It might be one one. Bad guys, you know, scoring first. There's going to be some nervousness because it's there's still Spurs. Uh, but then we're going to then we're going to beat the brakes off them and smash and. And, uh, and the Arsenal uh, result won't matter. But, man, what a, what a fun day in general for the Premier League. Should Louisville uh, – should Louisville – should um, Liverpool take care of business um, tomorrow, I think, or Wednesday, um, you'll have the, the title still up for grabs, the golden boot still up for grabs, relegation still up for grabs, or I guess safety is up for grabs. No one wants to get relegated. And top four still up for grabs, although Spurs – um, you know, depending on what you look at, have a have a overwhelmingly favorite chance. But the last Sunday, all, all 10 games happening at the same time, just an absolute terrific day in sports every year. You know, um, May uh, is led by uh, by racing and the Derby and the Indy 500. But, uh, but Premier League final Sunday is always a special day and look forward to seeing Spurs uh, smash the Canaries down to the championship on their way to the top four. I mean, I mean, you talk about the the luck, uh, the run of luck and, and like all the things that need to happen. Right. We had the Liverpool game and it was like, let's just not lose. Let's just get a result. If we win great. If we draw, that's okay. We got the draw. And then we had the Arsenal game. We had to win and we won it. And then we had the Burnley game. We had to win and we won it. And then it was like looking at the last two matches between us um, our last two matches in Arsenal's last two matches, I was like, you know what? The Burnley match is the one that makes me nervous uh, because that's a, that's a team that likes to pack it in. They know how to defend. Um, they can frustrate us. And I don't think we can afford to get the draw. And we won that game. And when I looked at Arsenal's last two matches, I said, I do not trust Everton at all. Um, I think they're going to lose. Um, and Newcastle has to give us something and they gave us something. So at this point I am at the absolute top of the triangle. This is, this is more top of the triangle than I've been maybe since the champions league run. Um, Since poach for sure. Right. Yeah. Like easily. Um, Because it's, it's, it's all the things that you wanted to see happen actually happen. But then it's also like we have one of the best managers in the world. We have one of the best front threes in the world. And our defense is actually looking good. And if we get top four, we're going to buy better players as well. So it's like 
They're really, and not to mention, we're playing the worst team in the league. So I can't be any more confident in terms of getting my hopes up. Uh, my hopes are up at this point. I'm hoping that I, I won't live to regret this a week from now. Um, but prediction, I mean, I'm going to go. I don't think Norwich is going to score. I'm, I'm waffling a little bit between three and four. But I really feel like if we start scoring, we're not going to stop. Um, and if we're able to get one or two in the first half, there's going to be a couple more. So I'm just going to say four nil and um, fingers crossed uh, that, 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 that comes to pass. Um, with that said, one more match. The season's almost over. Come on, you Spurs. And Arsenal get battered everywhere they go. Come on, you Spurs. Spurs.